It's Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And the world's greatest soccer dad is out of the studio, but obviously not out of our mind and certainly not out of contact. So he's remoting in from sunny downtown, where are you, Lake, Lake City? Lake City, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's probably the second most... Um, uh, shall we say, interesting vacation spot in Florida after Miami Beach, right? It's up there for sure. <laughs> um, we did pass a lot of prisons on the way in. Well, they're probably all full. <laughs> Although I don't know, not, lately not, they keep letting people out because days. of the virus. So you never know. Well, anyway, uh, the connection is good. Everything's fine. So we will roll on as usual. And, uh, again, I welcome anybody or everybody the um, – the people who are regulars, we keep saying that we really appreciate you because we really appreciate you. You're the reason we do the show. And you probably are aware that the show is constantly growing, getting more and more people who come to see us and say, well, I've heard you on the radio. And that's, of course, a good share of the reason we do it. Part of it's just um, a community service where we can give out information, but, of course, a lot of things like this can also be a little self-serving. We do have a business to support, and we support it largely through this. So you want to get a hold of us sometime, it's very easy to do. Adam can run down a couple of quick ways to do that for you, and then we'll get into what's going on. Sure. If you want to call us in the office during normal business hours, that number is 904-685-1505. But even easier if you go to our website vanwefinancial.com you'll find uh, you can book a meeting with us right from that website or our all of our contact information is available there as well so uh, we always offer a one-hour complimentary initial consultation for free and even if you don't become a client we promise you will leave knowing a little bit more than when you came in yes and i should mention that our office is actually open and we're very accommodative to to the virus and such things, and we're um, we're always taking care of the cleaning chores between people. We're not having many people in the office at once, and masking, of course, is well. We consider it mostly optional, but we're certainly willing to um, to talk to anybody about what makes them comfortable because that's really important nowadays. I was just telling Alan, our producer, that it kind of hit home with us this past week because we found out we have a good friend who contacted it somehow he has no idea how and he is in the age group like mine where we're um we're not the people you want to see get it he spent a good share of time in the hospital and has recently been released to go home thank goodness so welcome home and we all we all got to live with this until we don't have to live with it anymore but the operative part there is living with it around it or whatever so we're doing our best anyway we are here to bring you the most current information about what's going on. We have a lot of interesting topics to cover today, as always, and we will cover those as we want to, unless you would like to cover a topic that you would like to talk about. And then all you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 904-222-8255, which is otherwise known as 222-TALK, and all of our callers go immediately to the head of the line. We put you as priority and you can stick around and chat about whatever's on your mind or ask questions. Remember, there's no stupid questions in finance. For everything you don't know, there's a lot of people out there that don't know it either. 
And when everybody hears it, we've done a, a local service to hopefully the caller and people around. So don't hesitate. We will have a trivia question after the break and stuff like that. Meanwhile, um, this was a week that was kind of interesting. It didn't feel good and it didn't feel bad. It just kind of sputtered at the end and we wound up not as well off as I thought we might. But Adam will run that down for you. Yeah, I always tell clients when they get concerned about the market that on any given day, if the market moves less than 1% up or down, that's just normal trading. It's going to happen. There's really nothing to be concerned about within that range. And so when you look at this week, two of the three indexes were down less than 1% for the entire week. So I I was not concerned at all about this. I think that the the NASDAQ was down a little bit more at 1.3%, but the NASDAQ is still up 15.5% this year. So did it get a little ahead of itself? Yeah, probably so. I don't think there's a lot of good arguments against uh, the theory that the NASDAQ got a little bit ahead of itself. And um, I I just didn't, I I didn't think that the the last two days where the the market was off a little bit, it, it, it didn't concern me in the slightest. So, um, I think the market's pretty healthy right now. I think we're we're looking at earnings instead of uh, instead of other things, and they're coming back a little bit better than than what uh, than what we expected. We're off to a actually surprisingly good start, considering most companies were shut down for a month or more during this quarter. The earnings beat rate sits at a really really high seventy seven percent. So I expected that to come down a little this week with more companies reporting, but it really didn't. It's about the same as it was when just a few companies had reported last week. Yeah, actually, 38 out of 44 this week beat. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's strong. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Of course, we've got to remember and, our expectations have been a little bit diminished, but that notwithstanding. But that's not necessarily true because initially they were, but then going into earnings season, they were revising upward. That's true. Which is usually which is usually a bad sign for earnings season because that tends to mean more companies will miss earnings and they've been beating. So it's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be a great earnings season because obviously we, we, the numbers are lower, but compared to expectations, I think it's looking very, very positive right now. Yeah. There's going to be some industry groups that are going to really, really suffer. We know that. um, Oh yeah. I mean, airline transportation. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing it's is going to be bad. Going to be a bloodbath, you know. When those, people and, and it will be for a while. Yeah, when people aren't taking airplanes somewhere, maybe they'll just do a bunch of driving. So it's not that that money won't get spent. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it's funny you say that because I've been talking to well, we talk to a lot of people in our business, and a lot of people who are going to take international trips or trips across country where they were flying, they're all replanning their their life for this fall and the rest of this summer. So all those flying trips are becoming driving trips or they're making large purchases that they wouldn't have before. The money is definitely being spent, and you can see it in the data. Uh, It's it's just being repurposed. It's not going to airline flights. It's going to uh, home. uh, Angela and Howard were talking about all the home improvement projects, and my neighborhood looks as the best it ever has because so many people are redoing landscaping. And so the money is definitely getting spent. Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to see that happening, actually, because it impacts everything and everybody in the neighborhood. It's nice. 
No doubt about it. And and the other positive news out of earnings season is that the uh, the forward guidance being offered by companies is is substantially higher. I mean, it's it's the highest uh, percentage of, of upward revisions I've ever seen. So that's good news for next quarter as well. Yeah, actually, the GDP is on track to rise about 15% in the third quarter, which is a very interesting number. Although, like again, we, we're you got to look at where you're starting to figure out if where you're going to finish is any good. But we'll talk a little bit more after the break about things like the jobs reports and what's underlying that, which is really a, a better indicator of the the strength of the comeback than you're going to get out of the uh, daily news, so to speak. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And before we take our first caller today, I want to give out the trivia question, just in case he wants to take a shot at it. Brought to you, as usual, by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm. You can call Ken at 904-636-7888, and that's good for residential or commercial. Now, I haven't decided exactly which one I want to do, but I think think we'll talk about the NASDAQ, because it's been what everybody's talking about um, for quite some time, and it's been hot, and sometimes it's not like this week, but it's up fifty-six percent in four months. Now, that is not bad. That is a very rare occurrence. How rare is it? He might ask. How many times has the Nasdaq risen fifty percent in only four months? And I have a point. After we get to the end of that, I always have a point. At least almost. Oh. Captain Dave. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're fantastic. And how about you? Oh, just great. I uh, sold out on Wednesday, which was a good move. Yeah, uh, I've been feeding you too much inside information, apparently. No, all I did is look at the market. I, I set my goal. I said I'm going to invest X number of dollars, and if it makes 10% uh, after the crash and goes back up, I'm out. And as soon as it reached 10%, I'm out. Well, it's a good thing because I don't have any inside information. Everything I know, I tell you on Saturdays, right here. <laughs> well, anyway, the real question is, when does the inflation kick in? Um, when the money starts to move. When the velocity rises above zero. That's when uh-huh. it happens. So the the problem with inflation is not how much money is in existence. It's how fast it's moving. And that right. creates a demand. But so far... If you remember, let's go back a little bit to 2007, 2008, and the, the massive bailouts that happened during the Great Recession, as it's known, and that the uh, Fed created an amount of money that they won't tell you. I, I've read various numbers, but they're not going to tell you. They sent, they've, they've sent $15 trillion to Europe and won't talk about it, that sort of thing. But anyway, what they did was they padded the reserves of all of the major financial institutions but they're only reserves. So all that money sat there and was not moving. It wasn't being loaned out or anything because they had restrictions on the reserves. So I kept expecting a great big rise in inflation and kept not getting it. So we finally figured out that the reason that you can print money, and I know it's done electronically, but the reason you can print money and not cause inflation is that that money is not moving. Now, traditionally... If you study economics, you'll hear that when when money is created and 
and spent by an individual, the velocity of the money is 2.5. That means right. it, a lot of people have seen the Internet thing come around. You know, somebody owes somebody 100 bucks, so they get paid, and that guy goes over and pays that guy who goes over and pays that guy who goes over and pays that guy. And now there's no more money, but everybody's out of debt. It's very clever. I love that one. But when this money, when demand comes back and people are going back to work and making all kinds of money and spending it, I don't see any way in heck that we can avoid having a round of inflation again. And if you want a little sneak preview of what's happened, look at the charts for gold and silver in 2020, especially lately. I'm not alone thinking this, obviously. I'm thinking about tips. Um, you know, I don't like them, and they're at an all-time high, and they're paying nothing. Tips long run, yeah, but Adam and I both want them to drop a lot, 10 15%, I'd like to see. Yeah. I just don't see why you buy tips at an all-time high when inflation hasn't kicked in yet. I understand right. the preparation yeah, I, for I, I wasn't thinking about now. I was thinking yeah. about when it comes around. I, you know me, Steve, I'm in a protective uh, conservative, exactly. uh, irrespective of what I do every once in a while. Yep. <laughs> but, yep. uh, but you know, I'm, I'm, I want to preserve my capital. I'm not, you know, re- concerned with the return of my money, not on my money. Yep. That um, old Will Rogers line. He was never more right than he was that day. Well, you're telling me anyway. So, uh, I just wanted to get your feeling on that. Um, it's coming. Like I say, I'm, I'm back in cash. So, you see what the deficit for this year is estimated to be? And I think they're yeah, like uh, some gazillions or something. <laughs> Four trillion on the light side. And the yeah. national debt's already up to twenty six and a half trillion. Wow. Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you a story about how things can work. I, at one time I was partnering a motorcycle shop, um, back in the seventies. And we had the Yom Kippur War uh, and, and the gas crisis. And we sold motorcycles like we were auctioning them off to the highest bidder. Yeah. And we thought, boy, this is great. We didn't realize that we were a year away from the factory, number one, and uh, number two. Number two, there were going to be a lot of motorcycles uh, flooding the market, and suddenly nobody was going to be using them because all that went away. Yeah, that's So we almost went broke. We went, you know, we we almost went broke. So we went over to the bank. Now, this is the days when you could walk into the bank and talk to the vice president and do whatever you needed to do. So we walked in the bank one day with the keys to the door and said, uh, you want to be a Honda dealer? <laughs> <laughs> and they sure. said, no, no, we'll, 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 we'll float you. Don't worry about it. You just keep staying there. We can carry on the books. <laughs> and I think the American dollar is probably in that position. I mean, yeah, uh, it's falling. Uh, how can it, it what does it collapse to? Right. Yeah, I don't know where the downside is, but it's falling, which is part of the the rise in gold and silver prices right now because they're they're uh, commodities that are dollar priced. So if you if you want to take a shot at some quick money, I, I'd look at gold and silver. But man, they've run up lately. But one of these yeah, days, I, you're going to see the inflation rate tick up because that money is going to start moving. Yeah, I, I, uh, the gold I have is uh, you can put it in your hand, uh, and that, that goes all the way back to the to the uh, Jimmy Carter days. Yes, I remember well, <laughs> very and, well. You know, I don't see. I don't think the day's ever going to come when we're going to be running around with little pieces of gold trading for flour. And I hope uh, not. But you know, uh, I don't see how. Like I say, I, when the Deutsche Mark collapsed, 
uh, after the war, after the second, first world war, then it against the dollar. Yeah, um, I I would hate to even guess what's going to happen, but something's got to give around here, and it'll probably be the yeah. inflation rate first. All right, my well, friend. Maybe we'll, have, maybe we'll have the old-fashioned jubilee. You know, jubilee is every, I think it's every 50 years uh, or 100 years, all debts are forgiven. That's oh, yeah. what a jubilee actually is. That's one of the things I have been discussing. We'll see. Yeah. All, all right, right. Well, take care of hey, yourself guys, and have a great have weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Right. Yeah, that, that whole inflation thing, it's, it's very confusing how that much money can be created without having an impact. And I, I just cannot um, fathom too much more time going by without seeing a pretty serious uptick in inflation. And speaking of gold and silver, just for a second, silver has been going up way faster than gold. But look at this. Go back and look at their year-to-date increase. Gold's 18%. Silver's 4%. It's got some upside yet. That's my opinion. I'm not recommending it to anybody. The spread between the two had gotten a little out of whack. Yeah. based on historical numbers, gold had run up and silver had not. Yeah, and I don't um, know fact, why silver had actually fallen for quite some time. I, yeah. And it, it doesn't make a lot of intuitive sense to me. The 10-year return on, on silver was about, what, 6% when we looked the other day? Yeah, total. Total, yeah. not not annual. Right. <laughs> total. A 6 annually would be pretty nice, but 6 yeah. total, not so good. But it's changing. That You can tell that the expectations in the market are changing and it has to do with what you were just talking about in the market, too, with the NASDAQ not being quite as popular. There seems to be a shift coming towards smaller, like small and mid-cap stocks. Want to make a comment about that? Uh, yeah, I think that I think that small and mid-caps are poised to do, maybe potentially outperform large caps in the short run. Uh, there's a number of reasons I think that one is that they have underperformed large caps for several years now, not just not just recently. But then this recent round uh, of covid related drops just furthered that because the, the theory was that that large cap stocks were better able to take advantage of the market conditions and small cap stocks were were not because they're not. Um, they're not as big. They don't have unlimited coffers. They can't. They just couldn't react uh, to the market. They were getting affected by local shutdowns. When you have a small cap manufacturer, they likely have maybe one plant in one location. And if that location got hit hard by COVID, they're out of business for a while. You look at a large cap company, they're going to have multiple locations. Chances of all of them getting shut down at once are much lower. Um, so they just didn't bounce back as fast. And now as the world is continuing to reopen, I think you could see that reverse a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page with that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's possible to keep underperforming as they have. And frankly, with some of the uh, client meetings we've been having, it's showing some signs where the small and mid-cap funds are actually, in some cases, outperforming the bigger ones. So there's, there is a change in preferences coming in the market And part of it, I think, was the big run-up in some of the large-cap NASDAQ companies. Tesla's right up there and so on. So there's more to go. I did want to mention one other thing. Um, One of the bright spots in the economy seems to be the housing. You've seen some of the latest numbers on the the housing numbers. They're astronomical. Biggest problem that the housing... Yeah. The biggest problem in that industry right now is lack of supply for existing houses. It's been that way for a while, off and on.
done, but we're really seeing it right now. Yeah, it's getting worse. And, and a lot of the uh, new construction has not broken ground yet, so there's some pent-up demand there, too. So if you're looking for a new house or looking to sell, it's a good time to get on it right now. All right, we're going to have to take a little break and pay some bills. Uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. Adam is remoting in from sunny downtown Lake City, being the soccer dad. Things are going pretty well from what I've seen. The, your daughter did well. And how's, yeah, yeah. How's the other game coming? Good. My son just lost his first, his second oh, darn. game. They won the first. Won the game, first. But it was a, it was seven to eight, really close game. Wow. So. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how anybody can play two games in this heat and humidity. <laughs> kids are. Well, they're they're three on three games, and they they yeah. have six six kids each, so they're stepping ah. out, and they're and they're only twenty four minutes long, so it's not bad. Oh, that's not so bad. All right. Well, that's nice. At least that's what three out of four. Wins? Yeah, three out, three out of four wins. Pretty good in my so book. Far. All right. Yep. Uh, the uh, A couple of quick things on the market. We talked about housing a little bit. We had an interesting thing happen over the last several days. The, the mortgage rates fell below 3% for 30 years, and that was the first time in history. Now, what I've been reading lately is it's hard to get that rate, so it must only be for the, the best. But let's say you don't quite get that rate. It's still cheap, people. Wonderful time to be a buyer. That's the real, honest to goodness truth. So, and another another thing I caught this morning that kind of interesting and happy, sad, whatever you want to call it. But one of the reasons that inventory is so low for used housing, as we would call it, existing housing, is because there's been a moratorium on foreclosures and evictions, and it's kept some of these places off the market. Well. I'm glad they did that. I'm awfully glad for people who did not get foreclosed or evicted through no fault of their own because they haven't been able to work with the virus. So once in a while, Congress gets something right, and it seems they've nailed that one. Yeah, once in a while, the government gets something wrong, too. I have a classic. Vocabulary time. For those of you who have followed us over many years, you'll hear us talk about the word fiduciary a lot fiduciary is a word that has a lot of meaning to people like us and our clients in particular because it's a standard that says as an advisor we are solely serving as fiduciaries which means the client's interests have to go ahead of our own but the the industry our side of the industry has been fighting to get a good solid fiduciary rule throughout the country and every time it gets pushed up to the edge it sort of gets pushed back again now there is there are some other bodies besides government like the cfp board who have been implementing these things and it it has always concerned me that it's been the republican party in dc that's been pushing against the fiduciary standard i don't understand that the excuses are many and lame well, guess what now, folks? The Department of Labor said late Monday afternoon it is proposing a new exemption for investment advice fiduciaries, allowing them them to receive, quote, a wide variety of payments that would otherwise violate the prohibited transaction rules. Brilliant, boys. Brilliant. These payments include, ready for this, commissions, 12B1 fees, trailing commissions, sales loads, 
markups and markdowns, and revenue-sharing payments from investment providers or third parties. You just took away the whole concept of being a fiduciary. And now we, we tell people all the time, ask everybody you talk to. So if you, if you come and see us and you see, see some other people, ask them, are you a fiduciary? And if the answer doesn't come out immediately and, and be worded this way, yes, then run. Then that means you're going to have conflicts of interest, either apparent or possible, and you're not going to be happy in the long run. Well, this we were getting to the point in the industry where more and more people were having to live up to the fiduciary standard, and now the Department of Labor comes out with this, and it backs us up to the stone age as far as getting commissions and so on. Really, people? And here's the excuse. Today's proposed exemption would give Americans more choices for investment advice arrangements while protecting the retirement savings of American workers. And this was Eugene Scalia saying this. Hello, your dad would have a fit. The exemption would add... Pardon? It gets better, too. They, they, They not only did that, but they proposed not allowing uh, socially responsible investment funds in retirement accounts. That, that's um, no. the Department okay. of Labor has. Yeah. Uh, not that those are popular or anything, but they did attract more than $20 billion in, in assets last year, which is up four times from uh, the amount that flowed in in 2018. So, and they performed. Yeah, well, and they did really well. Yeah, that's even that is beside the point. It's something that people want and are passionate about, and some people won't invest any other way, and they're just going to come out and say, no, you can't use those. What are they thinking, and what are they drinking? That's what I want to know. know. Unbelievable. Well, in a related incident, I have a little article here from Think Advisor. For Former Morgan Stanley advisor pleads guilty to $6 million fraud. I'm not picking on Morgan Stanley. This is public information. I took it right off the Internet for everybody to see. Well, this guy was not a fiduciary. He was basically a stockbroker. He's 47. His name is Michael Barry Carter. He stole at least $6.1 million over a 12-year period, according to the DOJ. He now faces up to 20 years in federal prison for things like wire fraud and another five years for investment advisor fraud how do you do it people we tell people all the time you if you're dealing with an advisor rule number one never write a check to your advisor remember bernie madoff guess who they made off their checks to and guess who made off with their checks don't write a check to your advisor make sure they have a third party that you know about the Schwab Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, that sort of thing, that is the custodian of your money. They can't trade it without an order from somebody like us, and we can't get money out of it because they won't send it to us. They'll only send it to the client. You can get on 24-7 and see exactly what's going on in your account and so on and so forth. That is how you prevent fraud. You are going to find more and more, and I, I get at least one a week of these guys have been ripping off their clients, and a lot of them are people in their 80s and 90s. And I, they, I guess they figure they're easy marks because they don't get on the Internet all that much, that sort of thing. But this is what you get when you take away the fiduciary from investment advice. So if you go in and see your advisor next time, 
and you ask that one simple question, are you a fiduciary? If you don't get that answer, and if you don't get that answer fast, you might be cruising for a bruise and financially speaking. Just so you know, your government at work for you again. And speaking of the government at work for you, <laughs> this can go on and on, right? We're going to get a new stimulus package, maybe. And I don't know how much anybody's been following this, but you, you've heard Adam and I discuss this many times on air, that we were just dead set against a payroll tax holiday. And it's not because the effect wouldn't be immediate for people working anyway. That is not our reasoning. The reasoning is that what they call a payroll tax is not a tax. It is an insurance premium that is involuntary. Now, I know that that sounds like you're parsing words a little bit, but it is not directed to the general revenues of the U.S. government. It is directed into your accounts with Social Security and Medicare. When you stop paying into it, your accounts for Social Security and Medicare are not getting credit. Well, what's their solution, according to them? Well, we'll just give them credit, and then we'll replace the money in the fund with with the general revenue money. And when you hear them talk like that, you should be scared. You should be very, very scared. Is What they're trying to do is confuse general revenues with Social Security and Medicaid, or Medicare, I mean. And this is the proverbial camel's nose under the tent if they start on that. Then... If they lift the lid off of everything like that, they do it one little piece at a time. Don't let that happen. Good news. Trump gave in on that one, and there's not going to be one. So what are we going to get? Well, it looks like people making up to 40000 will get another check. We don't know what size. And we know we have acknowledged that there's a big problem with the way they've been paying the unemployment benefits, where you get your regular benefit plus $600 a week. And so many people don't want to go back to work because they take a pay cut by working. Well, it was a stupid concept. We complained about it very loud and very long when we started it. Did it help stimulate some things? Yes. It's over on the 31st. It cannot be renewed at that level, and it probably won't be. And it looks like they're going to get a cap on your overall ability to take that out. And it'll be a cap of some percentage of what you used to be making, which gets rid of the disincentive. So that's what we're looking at. Stay tuned. All right, we've got to take one more break, and we'll be right back. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And this segment brought to you by Robinson Landscape and Maintenance. You can call Troy at 662-9794 to let, as we would say around our house, let Troy do it. And I really like that because it's not my thing. A lot of things aren't my thing, but that's right up there on the list. All right. Uh, everybody who is a regular listener probably remembers that a couple of weeks ago we started into a series that was actually uh, an answer to a request by um, a, a, a listener. said, I'd like to discuss more, hear you discuss more about options for claiming Social Security. So that is so timely because people are turning that age on a daily basis, and um, it, we see a lot of them in the office. It's, it's part of our day job having to understand and help people walk through the Social Security claiming process. And it's so complicated that we're breaking it down into little segments. And some of you have probably heard the first one. We took last week off because Megan was in and we were talking about the CFP and that sort of thing. But um, we started two weeks ago 
with claiming Medicare because it's so much easier than claiming Social Security. Fundamentally, unless you've got a very strange situation or if you aren't qualified, when you hit 65, that's when you sign up for Medicare. There's a window around that. I think it's 60 days before that month and 60 after. And Medicare encourages you to sign up and enroll in Medicare. And what I mean by that is if you don't enroll by your 66th birthday, then you will pay more for Medicare every month forever. Now, there is an exception, and that exception is if you're still working and have a a plan that qualifies, you are allowed to postpone your Medicare claiming decision until that goes away without penalty for the rest of your life. But in general, and this is not one of those things where it's age phased in, like Social Security, it's 65, sign up for Medicare, and believe me, it's not bad. Sarah and I have been on Medicare for a long, long time. I really don't have any major complaints. They do a pretty darn good job, especially if you have a supplemental policy that works with them. I haven't noticed any bad paperwork or squabbles or anything to speak of. And believe me, you know my feelings about government. If we were having problems, you would be the first to know. So let's say you're in. You're already in Medicare. Now you have some other responsibility. (coughs) Excuse me. What are you paying? A lot of people have no clue what they're paying for Medicare. Why is that? Because if you're in Social Security and Medicare, Social Security simply deposits a check for you every month that is net of your Medicare cost. Now, for those who have not enrolled in Social Security, Medicare sends you a bill and you have to pay it. So you know what you're paying for Medicare, but most people do not. How do you find out? Well, as you, with almost everything on Medicare, you don't go to Medicare.gov. You actually deal with the Social Security Department. So if you are receiving Social Security, net of Medicare, then go into the Social Security account that you either have or should establish. And it's very easy. It's all done online at SocialSecurity.gov. And you can look at your benefit statement, and it will tell you what your gross is. It will tell you what you're paying for Medicare and possibly for Part D if you're on that. Or there's some other little kinks in there, too, that I'll get to in a while. But you should see that you are paying the standard amount for Medicare unless you have a very high earnings record right now. And what do I mean by that? There are several breaks in the pricing of Medicare Everybody pays the base amount for for Part B, which is doctors, routine health care. Part A is usually free to people. That's the hospitalization. There are some rare instances where people didn't quite qualify, so they have to pay in. But in general, you're paying for Part D, or Part B, excuse me. Part D is drugs. You can do that through Medicare. You can do it through a private plan. But let's say you go in there and you look and you're you're being charged an excess I think the base right now is 144. Don't quote me on that. I don't have it in my notes today. But if you're paying $200, $300, something like that, there has to be a reason why. And that reason is your income. Well, a lot of people, when they move into Medicare and Social Security, do so because they've had a change in their life. And a lot of those changes involve simple things like retirement. So if you have moved into retirement in, let's say, 2020, your 
Medicare charges are going to be based on two years ago tax return or 2018. Well, if you made above a certain amount of money in taxable income, actually modified adjusted gross income, don't get technical on that one. I believe it's line 8B on your 1040 is your adjusted gross income. For most people, that's good enough. If that is high enough to trigger a break point, you will be charged more every month for Medicare than the standard amount. Well, what if you're no longer earning that kind of money because you've retired or whatever? Well, you're going to be charged all year long at that rate from 2018 unless you take the initiative to change it. And I have talked about this before, but not everybody's around every week. There is a, a process that you can go through with Social Security where you send them a form that's filled out online, SA-44, I believe, and it says, I've had a life-changing event, life-altering event, and that's what, that's what they call it. That can be losing a job, getting married, getting divorced, um, cut back in hours, retirement, whatever it can be. But what it means is I no longer make the kind of money I used to make, and therefore I am being overcharged monthly for Medicare. And you submit that form and wait the customary amount of time for dealing with Social Security, which can be two to six weeks in many cases. And guess what? They will not only change your rate back to reflect what you're earning now, and of course you have to prove all your claims when you apply, but they will also go back a few months and credit you for the overpayment you've been making this year. So if you want to save some money because your situation has changed and you don't know about this, look it up because the first thing you have to do is take personal responsibility to find out what you're paying. You link from there to your tax return back in 2018, and then you look at 2020 and say, this is going to change on my tax return for whatever reason. Fill out the form, send it in, and it works. And the reason I can say that is because I did that, and it worked. And I got the refund for the prior months before. It is wonderful, and you need to know about it, or you're going to be flat out just overpaying for a service that you absolutely have to be on anyway, and that's just silly. If there's one thing Family Financial is against, it's paying more to the government than you absolutely have to pay. And that goes for Medicare, Social Security, IRS, or whatever. Pay everything you owe, no more. All right, I'm going to move on starting next week probably, but I'll I'll, I'll, uh, tease a little bit here. We're starting out with the Social Security uh, claiming process. The easiest case, we'll take that up then, is single people. Well, single people have the benefit, I guess you'd call it, of not being responsible for someone else if they pass away. Married people have a lot, a lot different responsibility for after they're gone, and therefore it's a lot more complex. But in general, the, uh, the decision for a single person goes very simply like this. How much money am I going to need? How much money am I going to receive excluding my Social Security benefit? So starting at age 62, you can look at these things and say, well, if I, if I uh, filed today, I would not have enough. I'd have too much. It would be just right. But you've got to know that you're going to take a reduction. So you can look at that 62, 63, 64, and, of course, a decision 
very often revolves around whether you're going to continue to work or not. So the people who are continuing to work, next question, to me anyway, would be, what's the longevity in your family? Did your parents and grandparents live a long time? Do you expect, given your current health, that you're going to live a long time? Because if you are, then you should think about delaying the uh, Medicare or the Social Security payment because it is going to pay you a lot more, 8% a year, by waiting. This is just the tip of the iceberg, folks, which is why I've got to keep it short and sweet every week. But we're going to go into some more complexity starting next week. All right, the NASDAQ was up 56% in four months. There's only been four times in history where the NASDAQ was up 50% in four months. And they have, they were in 1998, 2000, and now, and here's what happened afterwards. One time the NASDAQ traded flat, one time it tanked, and one time it went straight up. So I'm going to let you guess what's going to happen after this one, because I'm not that bright that I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for, for being here as always. We'll see you next week, same time. This is the Van Lee Financial Hour.